back, everybody, to Thanks for Your Concern. This is Ella. This is Berenice. And this weekend, we're going to do Hollywood owes us some money. We're going to talk about how Hollywood hurt us. We're going to talk about depictions of various things that affect our lives and kind of riff off of some stuff we talked about last week. So if you haven't listened to that episode, we're not going to be repeating ourselves, but go check that one out. Absolutely. So, you know, we had some provoking conversations last week, and I feel very uh, passionate about this topic in particular. I've been thinking a lot about how Hollywood has hurt me and some of the practices that it still continues to hurt me. So, um, Ella, how you been? Yes. So this week we celebrated my grandma's 99th birthday. 99. Um, So, you know, PSA out there, you know, call your grandparents, call your mother, call a friend and tell them, listen to thanks for your concern. (laughs) And then after you do that, rate and review the podcast. No, I'm just joking. But no, really, it's important to connect with people. And like, I feel very fortunate to have um, my grandmother around for 99 years. And I get to talk to her all the time. But um, you never know. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, PSA. I definitely know what you mean. I'm I'm glad she's still with us. Uh, 99. What a time to be alive. She's been through it all. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, no, dude, like speaking of birthdays, it wasn't my birthday, but I did uh, go to Chelan and I acted like it was my birthday. We went with the intention to rent a boat because that's kind of like what you do. Mm-hmm. But it was too windy. So instead, drunk me was like what if we rented a limo and went wine tasting i love it i love the ingenuity <laughs> the ingenuity thank you i'm glad people uh were willing to go along with it we chose two of our friends to pretend to get married to pretend like oh. we were their wedding party love and it we, we got free stuff from the winery so you know if you got some uh, method artists and actors in your friend group invite them to pretend that they're gonna get married i love that that's so fun you know who who cares there's no rules like you know as well as long as you tip well let's do a yeah. full-on performance i love it absolutely <laughs> But let's get into the episode. All right, everybody. So we're going to be talking about themes in Hollywood and like talk about some specific shows, movies and all that jazz. But really what got this going is last week in episode 40 with Rishi Armani. We talked about how like skins like owes us money. Like we should probably all band together for a class action lawsuit. And I was like, why did we all like live the same life? My biggest thing when I was thinking about skins, like, kind of after the episode, I was like, I feel like the depiction of skins, like, the people looked my age. I think really often, like, sometimes you'll see these movies that are supposed to be, like, teenagers, and they look like grown-ass adults. So, in a way, you're like, no, 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 this is just, like, a show. This isn't real. You know? But in skins, I was like, damn, she looks my age. Maybe I should fucking be nuts. You know? (laughs) No. um, 
for people who have never watched Skins, I'm pretty sure it's like on Netflix. But I mean, you could watch it now. But it might not. You might not relate. It's about a group of teenagers, like a friend group, and it's kind of like super toxic. They're all into like drugs. They all have like body image issues. People have like eating disorders, and it's not really. I would say it glorified the use of like drugs and like mental illness in a way that isn't very very like very productive now like looking back at it it definitely had like it had a lot of themes that were relatable because it it is like a coming on age story it would relate a little bit to like euphoria i think they do euphoria a little better than they did mm-hmm. skins yes but um I agree. And in Skins, like one of the things that I, I think they bring up a lot is is one of the characters named Effie, who I was like, mm-hmm. you know, you want to be Effie because the bitch is cool, but she's also like severely mentally ill and like really unwell throughout the entire show. Um, and it kind of like feeds into like the manic pic- like pixie dream girl narrative mm-hmm. that a lot of films and shows promote. Yeah. I feel like um, nowadays that's like a whole aesthetic on you know, social media, like TikTok, Tumblr, all those places. And it's like, I was like, bro, this is just a recycle of Tumblr skin days. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, it's like a trend that's coming back around, which is just like, I'm mentally unwell and it's cool. And it's like, I'm not making fun of people that are mentally unwell, but it's actually like not cool not to get help. And Mm -hmm. like, I think that there's like a lot of things we just have a cult like psych um, trends recycle. So like the trend of like her just being like super toxic and doing things that were not helping her out. We're kind of just like, oh, no, she's cool like she's the cool girl like she's different she does whatever the fuck she wants like she doesn't ask for permission when it's like no no she was self-destructive yeah (laughs) oh god yeah i think with that and like the tumblr days like even if you look i'm pretty sure i still have my tumblr up there i'll share it so you can see how much of like a weird like creepy girl i was it was like a miss mr like what is it those girls like this visco girls yeah visco girls yeah visco girls match like emo girls match like horror i don't know it was a really weird aesthetic time in my life but um I think the issue with the manic pixie dream girl and this is something that I've also seen on TikTok is like people like I don't know like moving into the image it's like there's always they're always paired with like a male character that kind of like latches onto them to be like I need I want to like save this girl and this girl like needs Mm -hmm. me which I think is just like a really toxic way to look at relationships and actually one of my favorite movies even though there's not a lot of um like POC representation is the eternal sunshine of the spotless mind Jim Carrey Mm -hmm. and oh my god I can't remember her name but it's a it's one of my favorite rom-coms you should Mm -hmm. watch it but my favorite like quote relating to that movie has to do with the character who has the image of this like manic pixie dream girl she calls it out like she says you know you only really like me because like I validate your you think that I need you and I validate this idea of who you you think I am but I'm not actually that person I I really vibe with that movie and I really like that they I, I know that different films have tried to stray away or give a different narrative to that because growing up I I think that I, I put a lot of my image in like what relationships should be based mm-hmm. on all these like super toxic rom-coms that basically taught me that I like needed a man and that a man would fix my mental illness 
Yeah. I mean, I and I think it's honestly, it goes the other way too. Like there's also this trope with like men being like, you know, a man needing a woman, you know, and then like, have you ever, I'm trying to think of a rom-com, like Always Be My Maybe with Amy Wong is one of them. The other one that mm-hmm. I'm thinking is definitely Maybe with Ryan Reynolds. Both have these tropes kind of too, where it's like the dudes are like, just go into like a dark, deep thing and then they have like their because uh the main woman breaks up with them and they needed them and all that jazz so it goes the other way too but yeah it's like this trope of like a mentally unwell person needs somebody and in a way that person needs them because they like lift them up you know and they're like a savior so it has like a like a little savior complex going on it's weird absolutely i would love if shows depicted like actually healthy relationships <laughs> because yeah. like blair blair and chuck from gossip girl taught me that love should be messy and it shouldn't be that way it should I- actually be a little boring <laughs> I feel like for me, the main one was like Twilight was like the worst representation of a relationship because like homeboy breaks up with her and she goes into a we see it because we see the seasons turn. She literally goes into a 12 month where she doesn't move. She doesn't eat. She doesn't do anything (laughs) because she's so distraught. And I'm like, bro, you should never need another person like that. You know, like you got like a week, two weeks to be a sad girl. But after that, you need to like move on. But yeah, that one was the relationship that really like fucked with my brain <laughs> <laughs> so kind of changing shifts a little bit um another thing that i think hollywood owes me money for is um body image issues that arose during the early 2000s yeah so my i think the one the tv representation of this for me at least was america's next top model like i religiously mm-hmm. watched america's next top model and like funny story i didn't always think i was gonna be five feet tall like i really wanted to be a model <laughs> like i would say that was probably my dream until i was like the 11th grade i wanted to be a model and then it's just like probably it's not. not gonna happen yeah. like runway probably not like you know the modeling yeah. industry so fucked up but I think a lot of the body image ideals had to come out of like the modeling industry and just Hollywood in general in the early 2000s. It was gross. It was disgusting. It was just super unrealistic. And I've been rewatching America's Next Top Model just to be like, oh my God, I can't believe this was something I no, like it's, held it's up very, on a pedestal. Problematic. But the one thing that like really bugs me, well, there's a lot of things, but one of them is they always talk about like, oh, like you're a plus size model, like, and the way they talk about plus size models in that whole series, um, the one thing is that they're like, oh, you, you're a plus size girl, you need to be conscious of how your body looks in pictures, you have to be a plus size girl, and they all say this shit, and then the people are just like average size people, like literally very average size people, people that no one today would be like that's plus size and it's just really interesting to me that's like wow like how did that make people feel for people whose body was just literally not seen on that television show that was seen like so outside the norm that they weren't viewed at all and yeah just gives me the heebie-jeebies i mean i saw that with like the sisterhood of the traveling pants like america ferreira she's literally just shaped like a normal latina woman that's just like how we are structured we have big a big rib cage it can't get smaller than that and I just remember her being said as like this fat character. And that triggers me now because I'm like, she's literally probably a size maybe six in that movie. Yeah. And um, that's just really concerning to me. And I also just like, 
like I've always had an inkling that I've been wanting to go into like acting or film or whatever but I'm like like it sucks to feel like unless I lose weight I wouldn't be able to get roles that don't surround my entire character with like how fat I am. Yeah, it's it's really hard to because and this is kind of like why representation is so important is mm-hmm. that like when you see yourself on screen, like I've I've talked about this, but like Bridgerton, when I first watched that, like I was literally emotionally moved because that whole genre, which is like english early english literature and like early whatever 1700s or whatever you want to call it yeah 17 yeah i'm not a history major but i want to say 17 1800s (laughs) like there's never black representation at all Mm -hmm. and that was really helped me but like yeah like what you're saying is that there's no representation of like well there is it's just it's changing now but it is still those things where any plus size person it becomes part of their storyline it becomes part of the trope of like they're not like everybody else or like and it's just like kind of weird in a way that happens with like every other identity like every like race it has to surround like uh, like issues and hardship and I like yeah that is part of life but it's also like I feel like it's added a little too much into the plot line that it's like well why can't these just people like people have complex storylines that don't revolve specifically around like this one aspect yeah. of their identity that you stereotype and put every single issue going on like you know the tv shows are like oh this person is latina and she's also like on daca and she's also trained and she's also this and she's also this and I'm like okay like I get it I get you trying to be intersectional but the way that you're going about it is just kind of like tokenism yeah it's Um, just like it creates like a monolith so it's like the black character talk about black issues and every single thing and it's like I don't know like Grey's Anatomy I like the show but they're really bad about this recently where I'm just like why does I'm just like why does Jackson Avery have like everything happen to him like he has someone <laughs> in his family who was shot by the police like he also has like like this happened this happened this happened I was like can we get another like black character yeah. to like even get, out like, this shit yeah. yeah so that he's not like enduring all this trauma on every season <laughs> of this fucking show but like that's what I mean you know yeah no I definitely get that and um I think with just like going along with that I've seen a lot of depiction of like people from the LGBT community as like promiscuous in like almost every single show. That's just something that they are like are constantly that's like the main their main character development. And I would just really love to see, I guess, better writing overall. I would say that too. And I think what I think what this boils down to is that like intersectionality is a thing so it's like obviously like you know lgbtq plus people encompass a lot of different people so it's like always being like the promiscuous gay best friend and is just like problematic when there's just so many different types of people in one community but this is the same type of character that we're seeing over and over and over again and you know i feel like this is with every group and I was I remember I took like Asian American sociology class and we read this study about how um, Asian Americans were like the most tokenized group in Mm -hmm. like entertainment and token being like there's literally only one person to represent that entire group and I was like huh that was kind of way back when when this article was written it was like 2011 and the only show that had more than one Asian American um, character on it on a major network 
was lost. It was the only one. And then I was like, I wonder if this is still true because that was 2011. And then I found an article from like 2017 that like this was still true. So up until 2017, there's still like every single group, but Asian Americans specifically are tokenized. Yeah. And the way that I guess this this goes back to like promiscuity or the way that Asian Americans tend to be portrayed are through a very like Western stereotypical lens that's also like racist and like homophobic or like very Christian. So it just has like a lot of microaggressions because you're having yeah. you have someone who's not a part of that group writing that character and like oftentimes if you don't have a lot of exposure to that community, you're writing from like microaggressions or stereotypes. Yeah. Like you're gathering sort you know, so it's like one of those things where it's like this is just like not good writing. It doesn't lead to good outcomes. Snapsis. Um, something that I've been, it's been difficult for me. I watch a lot of TV. I love a good TV show. But sometimes I run into shows that it's like usually like an all white cast. And it's hard to, for me to like relate or really be interested. And I mean, I'm no hate to white actors, very talented people, but like specifically A couple of days ago, I was watching, there's a new show called Home Economics. I think it's like, they try to do the same vibe as um, Modern Family, Mm -hmm. but it's not good. Like, the plot follows another, like, white family, like, these three, like, brothers and sisters, and they surround this whole thing about, like, money, and then, you know, like, the sister is married to a black woman, and they have two kids, and then one of the one of the brothers is married to like who's supposed to be a Latina but they chose like the whitest Latina they could find and no shade to her I believe she's a really good actress but like the way they portrayed her to be Latina they Mm -hmm. had to put her in like an embroidered top from Oaxaca and mention that she was Latina like 10 times for people to like know that she was Latina and I was like oh this is poor writing and poor depiction of like other people so I'm out and um I've had this, well, I point this out a lot, mostly because my boyfriend's family is white. Mm-hmm. And um, I think I said this before, but when I went over for Christmas and they all like were like, oh, have you watched this movie? Have you watched this movie? Um, like all the white traditional, I don't know, Christmas movies like the... Yeah. Uh, I can't, I can't even remember their names. I was like, no, I've never watched them. And they're like, oh my God, you have never watched Christmas Vacation. And I'm like, no, I literally cannot relate. I'm like, they're just, they're just kind of all white movies. And they're like, what do you mean? And I'm like, there's literally not one single person of color in the yeah. cast. And they're like, oh my God, I never knew that. <laughs> I know. And I feel, I mean, this, that touches on a bigger issue. But sometimes I feel like um, I get really upset when people are like, it'll boil down to why do we need diversity? Why do we need black characters and things, you know? And it's just like, Mm -hmm. oh, I feel like if you really were on the other side of the table and like you're growing up and you're just not seeing yourself represented or in the ways that you're seeing you're represented, it might not be healthy. Kind of like something like when I was growing up, if there were black female characters, they almost always had like weaves or Mm -hmm. their hair straightened. Like I would probably like I could probably think if we're think we're talking about like if it's an all-white cla- cast and there's a black person, they probably don't have natural hair. Like, it's a pretty big bet that they don't. And if you don't see that, then you're like, okay, this is what I'm supposed to be looking like. Or you look up to that person because that's the only person who you relate to, you know? Right. Or, like, with the Power Rangers, I think they've had, like, one Asian-American woman. Like the, You know, like, for a really long time, it was all-white Power Rangers. And then I was like, mm-hmm. okay, well, th- now there's an Asian Power Ranger. So, like, maybe, like, I guess I'm that Power Ranger now. You know, it's just that kind of thing <laughs> where it's just, like... I think all people want to see themselves represented just so that they can like 
relate to the movie feel more like they relate to characters and it's just like i just get so annoyed when people don't even realize that you have lots of movies you can you have literally hundreds of thousands of movies that talk about the different aspects of white people you know what i'm saying there's been all kinds of white people in white films and i mean this goes to like a larger issue within hollywood like literally uh, black people or people of color not fitting their aesthetics like with tim burton when he was like yeah black people don't fit my like my look no like and would anybody would fit your look that's just you being racist your looks racist yeah this is something that i so sometimes i'm like this was a poor casting choice yeah but what i think should have been a casting choice for the new movie cruella which Mm -hmm. i kind of refuse to watch love love emma stone right that's her name love her great but for that particular film i think they should have casted dominic jackson um okay she's in post yes you know she's she's a house mother i think she would have done a fantastic job did she did she try to go for that film i don't know but i think that would have been a better casting choice Yeah, I think that just speaks more on to, um, like, if we do these remakes and then it's just, like, same thing, different shit. And I'm like, well, it's basically the same movie. Like, let's change it up. Let's make it different. And then there's also, like, where I'm just seeing the same movies over and over and over again. Or we're running out of storylines. And it just is like, hmm, maybe we need to get new people writing movies then, you know? Yeah. And I think this is to a bigger point. I know we've been talking a lot about the people that are on screen. But I think, like, in general, there's a reason why white people are going to keep getting casted for roles and it's often because the people behind the scenes are also white so behind the scenes in Hollywood right. is almost is, pro- is less diverse than on screen is and I remember Ellen Pompeo actually came out and said like I'm kind of confused why we have such a diverse cast on Grey's Anatomy but we have a lack of diversity amongst the crew and the crew was like 99% white which is like the same mm. on a lot of things and I think it's interesting just to point to to like the well okay so now people are casting diversity because people want to see diversity but now we don't even have diversity behind the scenes so it seems a little performative in a way we're just like okay let's put in a character just because like people are gonna say shit if there isn't isn't any a diverse cast here but i'm just saying like if you're a person of color or female it's our time to rise up and start creating and start putting our foot in the door so that we can make our own stories psa i love that you know um and to speak to this i think like a lot of companies with a whole like black lives matters like stop like anti-Asian hate all that stuff come out with like big statements that are like oh my god we love diversity even like in pride month but I don't believe that there are like great metrics behind that or like when I know different companies the way that they are they might be like putting more emphasis in maybe hiring like POC I doubt it I doubt it's that big of a change but I also think like when there's a target customer are they incorporating their target customer as people of color, as people um, from the LGBTQ like plus community? Or are they still maintaining that customer being like uh, centralized within like a white customer? Because if you're still doing that, even if you're hiring people of color, it's like it's like the same thing. But I guess like in the, in the flip side, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So I just really want to finish up with just talking about some of the, like the misogyny and like sexualization of female characters. And I feel like I want to shout out the episode we did with homo in training about jennifer's body we touched a bunch on this so please go check them out but um i feel like the biggest thing is that i still see today is that like you have like the innocent good girl who's the main character 
And then like the best friend is like the slutty bad girl who <laughs> is like like you know what I'm saying? Where it's just like it just, yeah. I just hate that trope. And there's so many other tropes where it just like feels like promiscuity is really frowned upon and like that's the bad character like you don't want to be like that person you know mm. and I feel like that's so yeah. negative and uh, yeah the depiction of sex usually on media tends to be poor yeah very poor and I also just want like also I feel like there's a lot of um a lot of shows where the families are very nuclear still like and if the family isn't nuclear it's like a whole talking point like if there's a divorced parent it's a whole fucking thing which obviously that <laughs> represents a divorced household but if that's the only issue is that every time there's conflict between the mom and the and the, the kid it's like oh god so i was watching vampire diaries and vampire diaries and gossip girl have this same line the mom gets divorced from the dad because the dad is gay and and then the daughter goes, well, maybe I should talk to dad about guys because like at least dad can keep a man. And I'm like, oh, my God. I'm like, that's so and that is that happened in both of them. And I'm like, dude, who's who's who are these writers like just savagely like coming you know, for a divorcee? This might I have seen white families that do speak to each other like that. <laughs> like I could never I could never get away with that in my household. I mean, my parents never like hit me, but like I would have gotten hit if I would ever come at my parents like that. I was like, you you ever go to like literally any, like your white friend's house and they're like talking back to their parents and you're like <gasps> like she's literally about to get slapped and then their mom's like just like oh honey like come on we've talked about this like or no swearing or whatever and I'm like hit her <laughs> no but let me tell you this I remember like I had like a, a if I had like a friendship that was closest to skins it was this girl and like she literally was like no we're just gonna go out because my, my mom what's she gonna do to us ground us what is she gonna do and I was like uh she could call my mom and then we have like a big problem like both of yeah. us you know and she was yeah. just like did she was like oh no my mom's not gonna do anything like what is she gonna do and i was like um i don't know a multitude of things and then i just realized i was like damn like this is how the white household is run huh like i just cannot relate dude that's so funny <laughs> okay so like i have like a two-part last thing part one <laughs> No, but I really feel like when it comes to, like, fantasy and, like, magic and sci-fi, there's, like, not enough representation of anybody, like, but, and that confuses me. Like, we're here, we're talking about magic, we're talking about dragons right. and stuff. Why isn't anything there... Anything is possible. Anything is possible. And then people are like, no, it wouldn't be historically correct if black people were there. It's like, there's it's magic. It's not real. It's not real. <laughs> and, and then also... Like, with sci-fi stuff, like, there's just, like, there's a lot of tokenism in that. And then sometimes, even if it is sci-fi, they touch on, like, race really awkwardly when it's, like, oh, my God, we could have just, like, skipped this because this is, like, a space movie. And, like, there are shows that do it correctly. But then there are some other shows where I'm just, like, why do you even bring up race? He's an alien. Like, we could have just, like, skipped on it if you weren't going to, like, talk about racism in a correct way. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, they just kind of wanted to add it in there to add, like, some dimension except it wasn't thought out enough yeah so it's just kind of there and it's kind of cringy and then you're like i don't mean i mean we didn't really need this if we weren't gonna like put some thought and effort into it you know mm -hmm. their editor didn't catch it um i am curious to see if um any of our listeners what ways hollywood hurt you feel free to write us in i feel like there's so many ways like the fact that that's a raven really shaped my life um 
says something because it was like one of the only Disney Channel shows where there was like people of color, where there was mm-hmm. like she was like actually like a normal sized human being, and I and her she was funny, yeah, you know, like that, yeah. And I think that's when I decided I wanted to like go into fashion. I was just like, that's a Raven. Um, that's even though right. this Disney Disney is like super problematic, <laughs> that'll be a whole nother episode. Disney also owes me money. <laughs> All right, everyone. So I just want to finish up with, I think that a lot of times people feel like, oh, I can't make anything. And I feel like people with the YouTube now, you can make a lot of things. Like I know someone who like taught themselves animation. There's people that you can like find through the internet because I'm right now I'm working on like a short film with people that like was kind of just like something I was thinking about. But then I like talked to another person and now we're like making things happen. And so you'd be surprised. So reach out. And if you have like an idea and something you want to do, reach out to me or Berenice. But like me, I'm in Seattle. Like we can get something rolling. I definitely know a lot of people. People. So let's like make some shit, okay? Yes. Plugs of the week. Plugs of the week. So my plug of the week is Tuka and Birdie, and it's with Tiffany Haddish and Amy Wong. It's an animated series created by Lisa Hanawalt, and she was the creative director of Bo Jackman Horseman. So she did the illustrations and was a creative director. So those are the that is the illustration style. Season two is coming out on Adult Swim uh, in a week from now on June thirteenth. The first season you can find on Netflix. So it was a Netflix special or a Netflix series that got canceled and Adult Swim picked it up. And it's a sitcom for everyone, but it touches on like women's issues and culture. And it's a a sitcom, so it's funny. And I really feel like it is different. And like, I'm very surprised that like, I don't know if I was just living under a rock and everyone's gonna be like, oh my God, you didn't hear about this. But this came out in 2019 and um, it has really great reviews. It has like 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. So it's definitely something that you should binge. And that is my plug of the week. All right. And then for my plug of the week, I am plugging um, Shella Man. It, like that's the that's also his Instagram is at Shella Man. And he is genderqueer, an artist and author. He's deaf and he's trans. And he just um, like published a book called The Continuum. And it's, like, his findings through his experiences of just, like, being such an, like, an intersectional person. Um, And I just found him on TikTok, and I'm super intrigued, and you should all check him out. Plugs out a week. Okie dokie. So, before we leave, Ella does have a show tomorrow. It will be tomorrow. It'll be tomorrow, 610, at Collective in South Lake Union. There is a link in our bio i was gonna say there's a link to a link uh but there is there's a link to a link uh in our bio at thanks for your concern i'm at lol tutor and i am at berenice dsm if you can please uh subscribe rate and definitely share sharing is important and then if you have a plug of the week like i really would love some book recommendations so hit me up have you read any good books i'd love to know which ones Thanks so much for listening. See you next week. Bye. Bye.